0: Hi everyone, we're conducting an audience survey, and we'd be really grateful if you could take just a few minutes and answer a few questions. Please visit survey.prx.org happiness to take the survey today. That's survey.prx.org happiness. Thank you. The Science of Happiness is brought to you by Progressive, one of the country's leading providers of auto insurance. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you say what kind of coverage you're looking for and how much you want to pay, and Progressive will help you find options that fit within your budget. Use the Name Your Price tool and start an online quote today at Progressive.com. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: I had a client who's in her 90s, such a delightful person, and she loves going to the zoo. So we're at the zoo, and there was an old sky tram, and it looks like a ski lift. It's open, you know, you could fall out. And however I'm looking at it and I'm seeing, you know, it's not that far off the ground. And look, there's babies and toddlers and grandparents with their grandchildren and everyone looks so relaxed and happy. I could go on this with my client? Of course I could. And so I turn to my client and let's just call her Mavis. Turn to Mavis and I say, Mavis, would you like to go on that SkyTram? And she says, oh yes, oh yes. I said, great, let's get on. So, I get her out of the wheelchair, into the lift, and as soon as we touch off, this panic attack sets in, where I just, all I can think about is, I'm gonna fall out, she's gonna fall out. We are literally over the lions and the giraffes and all these animals, and it's supposed to be so fun, but I am gripping, I'm sweating like crazy, I'm gripping the bar like crazy, and, curling up my toes and my eyes are so tightly shut but I'm saying to her oh this is so nice isn't this beautiful and she's saying oh yes look look and I cannot open my eyes for the life of me and when we get to the halfway point I call out to the person who's there okay, we're getting off, we're getting off. And they say, no, stop, stop. And they're waving their arms. You can't, nobody can get off here, it's it's impossible. And I said, we have to get off, it's an emergency. And so this poor teenager, you know, who's working says, okay, and they stop the whole thing and we get off. And Mavis looks at me and says, what's happening? <laughs> I said, look how beautiful it is. I, I just, we need to appreciate this view. It's so beautiful. I need to just stop and really look around. And she says, okay.
0: As you might imagine, our guest this week, Zoe Francesca, had an overwhelming fear of heights. Riding sky trams was not her idea of fun, especially not with her clients. Zoe is an end-of-life doula. You know how traditional doulas guide women through the birth process? End-of-life doulas actually do the very hard work of guiding people through their deaths. Zoe's our happiness guinea pig today. On each episode of our show, we have a happiness guinea pig try a research-tested practice to bring more feelings of joy and connection into their life. And for her practice, she chose to do something that went right to the hard stuff in her life. She chose a practice designed to help her overcome her fears, like the fear of heights. Zoe, thanks for joining us on the Science of Happiness.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Decker.
0: I had never heard of an end-of-life doula. What is it? What do you do?
1: An end-of-life doula supplements the work of hospice. Uh We come in, hopefully months before the person is actively dying, get to know them a little bit, Mm. find out what are their fears, what are their obstacles, what are they concerned about, worried about, and we try to address those one by one over time.
0: Our associate producer, Annie Berman, joined you on a visit to one of your clients who is struggling with dementia. Thank
1: you. I don't know whether he's pulling a fast one on me, or I'm really being fed Mm. fast. Mm. No, it's true. It's true. It's just hard to keep, you know... when you get to a certain point in life I think it's hard to keep all the facts straight and maybe it's maybe it's not that important anymore you know well I guess it's not that important anymore you remember the essential things that make you you they're never gonna go away I have a pretty happy memory of life my life was was not a tragedy you know some people are like that and I think you're fortunate You think I'm fortunate? I do. I do. Oh, I hope so. There's a saying that we die the way that we lived. Mm. And I see that that's true. How so? I see that people who haven't confronted their fears are afraid. And that people who have are less afraid. Right. I see that all the time. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid of pain. And a lot of people are afraid of not existing.
2: (laughs) Oh, that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That one always gets me late at night.
1: Yeah. I mean, confronting my own fear of death has been a big part of my life.
0: And did you start this incredible work with a pretty deep fear of dying? Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, God. (laughs)
1: Originally, (laughs) yes. Yes. I was so afraid of death that I just, I knew that I didn't want to get to the end of my life without having dealt with that.
0: So it's very fitting that as our happiness guinea pig, you decided to tackle your own fears with the overcoming of fear practice. You start by exposing yourself to the fear in small doses in a safe context, and then you do it again and again until that fear subsides. And then you challenge yourself to do it a bit more. And it's really important to remember this is really best suited for everyday fears and not things like PTSD or an anxiety disorder. What were the fears that you worked on?
1: Okay, so some of the fears I've worked on have been, um, well, fear of death, fear of heights, (laughs) fear of public speaking, Uh, fear of sex, fear of cooking. I mean, really, there's so many.
0: You had a whole (laughs) book of fears that you tackled with a single practice.
1: The way that you do it is you take it step by step. So for example, with my fear of heights, you know, I know that people love being up high, and I've never (laughs) understood it. (laughs) I know it has something to do with a good view. (laughs) But who needs a view? (laughs) No, I actually do appreciate it more now. And I can do a lot more things that are high up than I could before. So, you know, first... You climb a flight of stairs that's within a structure, like inside a tower. And then, you know, I did this recently in Seattle. There was this park with a wonderful tower that had a viewing deck. So as I was climbing the stairs, I knew I was going up and there were windows, but I was safe inside the tower. Then when I got to the top, there was still a roof, but the windows were much bigger and I could get a lot closer to the edge. You know, so first you step back, then you take a step forward see how that feels, breathe. And then after climbing that water tower, I went with my client to the Chabot Space and Science Observatory mm. and stood on the deck and held onto the railing and looked down and right. looked up and looked at her and she's relaxed and she's enjoying it. Yeah. So that helps me regulate my nervous system. Yep. And then you actually have to repeat this a few times. It's uh-huh. not enough to do it once. Going back to the same flight of stairs yep. or the same observatory deck or the same sky tram. Yeah. You know, do it multiple times if you can. It really makes a difference. It becomes sort of ho-hum, hmm. and you want to get to that point where it's ho-hum, no big deal, and you're not even, you know, you're maybe thinking about something else at that point yeah. while you're doing it. Then you're golden.
0: Did you notice you are kind of feeling more comfortable and gaining a little confidence? Yes, yeah.
1: And what a great feeling that was.
0: Yeah, I hear you. So were you ever bold enough to go back to that SkyTram at the zoo? The one where you had that panic attack with your 90-year-old client?
1: Well, I have to tell you that they built a new SkyTram uh-huh. that's enclosed. Uh-huh. About a year later, I turned to Mavis oh. again and said, Mavis, would you come with me on the new SkyTram? Uh-huh. And she said Yes. And the way we did it is I asked another couple who was behind us in line to get in the tram with us. And as we were in the tram, I spoke to them and I said, you know, I have a real fear of heights, but I'm doing this because I'm missing out. I'm missing out on so much. And I just am so glad that you're in this tram car with me so that if I feel scared, I'll know that it's, it's okay and you can help me. And I did that a few times. And then I finally was able to go with her alone. Oh. And there's a part of me that still wants to go in the old sky tram again Just and see if I could do it.
0: <laughs> right on. We know doing things that you fear with somebody else gives you a lot of social support and strength, and that reduces the fear. Has it changed how you feel about yourself? Have you become more self-confident, more bold or courageous in certain ways?
1: I have. I have gained a lot of self-confidence, I think, because when I'm afraid of something... I'm picturing something in my mind that's not actually real. So being afraid of death, for example, you know, I thought, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be so awful to see a person who's dying or dead and they're going to look so scary. You know, I was really afraid anytime I saw, you know, a dead animal, I would scream. Mm. And then I said to myself, what if I had to see a dead body? What would that be like for me? And I found out at my synagogue that there is something called the Burial Society, and what you do is you prepare bodies for burial. And I asked if I could join, and they said, of course, we need people. And I said, well, can I just observe? Can I watch? And they said, no, if you're going to come and do this, the first time you have to participate. And I have to say that I, I walked into that room just not knowing if I would faint or scream. But as soon as I was there, this feeling of grace and holiness came into the room and was just there the whole time, making it safe, making it Mm -hmm. possible. And my fear was gone. Wow. It is really important to take small steps, but you don't have to take them over the course of one month or even one year. Like sometimes it will take years and that's okay as long as you keep working on it.
0: It's so striking and even paradoxical. Like you had this fear of dying and now you're working with people who are dying. Yep. What has it done to you?
1: The main thing that it did for me was to give me two things. One, a deep appreciation for everyday life that I just didn't have before. And the other thing is that it's really shown me that Today is all we have. Yeah. We really don't know what's happening tomorrow, so let's make today the most meaningful that we can, whatever that means to us.
0: Yeah, that's incredible.
1: Happiness doesn't mean, and lack of fear don't mean that everything's good Yeah, every day, all day. No, there's plenty of things that are hard and difficult and scary, but I guess I've learned to really embrace them. Yeah and really not shy away from them, and that has increased my happiness.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. Often when we encounter and try to transcend our fears, it's the first step that's so hard, you know, and we avoid the things we fear, you know, we can't think about it, we don't take constructive action. So how do you advise people to take that first step?
1: To take the first step, yeah. I think compassion hmm. is the key word. Yeah, yeah to have that compassion, and to try to be so compassionate towards yourself that you just open up your heart and say, I am so scared, I am so vulnerable, and I'm not sure if I'm ready, but as soon as I feel ready, I'm gonna allow myself to give it a try, and I'm gonna be so loving And so kind to myself for even contemplating that. Yeah. And I think that's the first step.
0: Yeah, I I hear you. Well, Zoe Francesca, thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you, Decker.
0: Hiring the right team for your business can be a long and arduous process. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time. And you only pay for what you need. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed instant match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com happiness. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com happiness. Indeed.com happiness. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. We know from science that giving to others, especially those in need, can make us happier as a community. Unbound is an international nonprofit that partners with families living in extreme poverty, empowering them to become self-sufficient and fulfill their desired potential. When you sponsor a child, young adult, or elder through Unbound, you invest in personalized benefits that support goals chosen by the sponsored individual and their family. Unbound sends more than $100 million each year to support families in under-resourced countries. You can make a real and direct impact, offering hope in the life of someone when they need it most. Partner with a new friend today at unbound.org happiness. Zoe's stories tell us that we're not condemned to live according to our fears forever. We can transcend the way we respond to fear by creating new experiences, new memories, Researchers used to think of memories like PDF files on our computers. Click on it, read it, nothing about the file ever changes. But now we know that every time we retrieve a memory, it's more like opening a Word doc. You can put in new information, changing the content. If that's the case, maybe we can recondition people's brains to react less fearfully to something that they once found terrifying. David Johnson, who teaches behavioral science at York College in New York, did a study to find that out. He had participants stare at a computer that flashed blue squares randomly across the screen. But each time a square popped up, Johnson would give them an electric shock.
2: After a while, they start to fear the image that's paired with shocks. Even before the shock appears because they know that it means ah, a shock might be coming, right? And these are electric shocks. They're, they're mild, they're annoying, they're not painful, but they definitely, they don't feel great. And what we're measuring is we're measuring changes in the sweat activity in their skin. So that's day one. They come back 24 hours later. In this session, they learn something new about the blue square. It doesn't predict shock anymore. How about that, right? No more need to be fearful of this thing. So we present that blue square repeatedly, 20 times, and hopefully they don't fall asleep. It's pretty boring. But they come to learn that hey, the blue square is not to be afraid of anymore, right? Yesterday I learned to fear it, today I don't have to worry about it. I mean we're doing this while well. the memory's fragile. And then on the third day of the experiment, we have them come back, and we basically test to see if they are going to respond fearfully to that square now. Right? Day one, they learned to fear it. Day two, they learned not to. What generally happens is that they just did not show a return of fear. If we're repeatedly exposed to the thing that causes us to be frightened, and there's no bad outcome, then we can form a new memory. You know, and the new memory says, "Hey, this thing isn't." something you should be frightened of, or at least it's something that you maybe should be frightened of in this one context, but not in another context, right? What's really cool is that it's a distinct memory from the original fear memory, because it might be the case that we need to be afraid of something in one context and not in another. So it might be the case that we need both of these memories to exist in combination, right? To kind of modify our emotional responses to things in the world in a kind of dynamic way.
0: If you would like to try the Overcoming of Fear practice, visit our Greater Good in Action website at ggia.berkeley.edu. But as we mentioned earlier in the show, the Overcoming of Fear practice is really meant for everyday fears. Fears related to overcoming conditions like PTSD and social anxiety disorder should be addressed with the help of a mental health professional. I'm Dacher Keltner. Thanks for joining me on the Science of Happiness. Our podcast is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRI PRX with production assistance from Jenny Cataldo and Ben Manila of BMP Audio. Our producer is Shuka Kalantari. Our associate producer is Annie Berman. Our executive producer is Jane Park. Our editor in chief is Jason Marsh. Special thanks goes to UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. Our work on the science of happiness is made possible through the incredibly generous support of listeners like you. That's true for all the resources we produce here at the Greater Good Science Center. If you're a fan of the science of happiness and you want to help us bring more kindness, connection, and happiness to the world, please visit ggsc.berkeley.edu slash donate. We're grateful for every gift. That's ggsc.berkeley.edu slash donate. Thank you.